you don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. This episode is sponsored by GoDaddy.com, the world's largest web host and domain name registrar, with domains as low as $1.99 and hosting for less than $5 a month. Enter promo code STUFF10 at checkout and save 10% off your entire order. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. It's called Stuff You Should Know, appropriately enough. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is who? It's Chuck. That's right, Chuck. It's good to be back, Josh. I know. It feels like it's been a while. Well, Christmas holidays. Right. I know that uh, listeners think through the magic of iTunes that we never leave the studio at all. But, in fact, we've been off for a couple of weeks, and now we're back. Yeah. Do you know we've actually gotten um, uh, offers to be rescued from a couple of our listeners? Oh, really? Because, From Studio 1A? Uh, yeah, on our Facebook page, I think I said that we're not allowed to leave. Right. They got a pretty good response. Nice. Yeah, okay, so... Um, you should ask for pizza or cash. Oh, it's coming. Yeah. I'm, I'm buttering them up. Or shrimp cocktail, your favorite. Shrimp cocktail, exactly. I can finally get the shrimp cocktail. Um, Chuck. Yes. Do you remember back in the 90s? Maybe a haze for you. No. You don't remember the 90s? No, I, it's not a haze. I do remember. Oh, oh. Well, that was a weird response. No, okay, I was so in college. No. I was studying and such. Oh, okay. Uh, so so you do remember the 90s? Yeah. Okay, so Chuck, you are a child of the recycling generation. Oh, yes. Do you remember when that thing just blew up? It came out of nowhere. I do. My brother and I were talking about this the other day with the initial... <laughs> yeah, we were, with the... the crying Indian in the 70s, which was yeah. just about littering. Right. When the good old days when you would just throw trash out of your car. I know, like uh, in Anchorman. When yeah. They're walking through the park. Everybody just yeah, that's how it was, man, in the it's 70s. It's so nuts. Hey, do you ever see anybody in their car just throwing something out? Occasionally. Days? And it's just, just yeah. boil your blood. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you doing? How can you be that unaware, you know? I, I hit them with my car. Okay, so you're talking about the uh, the Amerindian who is crying because of the trash. Right. And then later on, recycling became like newspapers is kind of where I remember it starting. It did. As a matter of fact, the first curbside newspaper recycling program started in 1973 right. in University City, Missouri, I believe. Yeah. Or Missouri, as my mom would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it took a little while for it to take off right. from 1973 to the 90s. But in the 90s, it really 
gain traction and gain ground. It did. And if you'll remember correctly, you used to have to have like all these different bins for, you know, this colored glass or right. this kind of plastic or paper, you know. <clears throat> and then all of a uh-huh. sudden it it just went away. They're like, no, right. no, no, just throw it all in one bin. And because recycling seems so important, I know I always wondered, like, is this stuff really getting recycled? Right. And then when when they went to this whole, you know, just single bin hodgepodge of everything, I was like, well, that's it. I mean, they're not even trying to keep up the pretense that they're they're not dumping this stuff, right? Right. So um, it turns out that they actually are, that you can pretty much guarantee – that almost all of what you are putting in your recycling bin is getting recycled. Correct. And that thing that threw us off where all of a sudden we're just throwing everything in one bin, it's called single stream recycling. Uh-huh. That's a result of um, recycling technology. Which is awesome because it yes. made it a lot easier for people that maybe wouldn't be prone to recycle because they didn't want to separate everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it was awesome. It was a pain. It was a definite pain. And now you just throw it all in one bin, they come and get it, and... Back in the day, there there used to be a lot of human contact with your garbage that was being recycled. Right. But these technological advances, so, uh, imagine this, okay? There's like a uh, this conveyor belt that your recyclables are dumped onto, uh-huh. and they go through this weird gauntlet where there's like magnets that attract like tin cans. Sure. And then drop them into, into bins. Right. Lasers. Lasers, always, you know, a personal favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're infrared lasers that are used to um, scan the wavelength that's emitted by um, different types of plastic. Right. And, and then paper. they're appropriately taken off the conveyor yeah, belt. That's awesome. So crazy. And then there's there's others that have puffs of air that uh-huh. can only get like um, light cardboard, like a, a toilet paper, a paper towel roll. Right. Just puffs it off. Right. So all your stuff's going through this is being assaulted. And, you know, the way it reacts to these assaults, they're going to end up in the right kind of bin. So you need very little human contact or much less than you did before. Right. So um, that that should put the single stream fear to rest, right? Sure. I've, I've heard people. Does, do you feel calmer now? Well, I never really doubted it too much, but I do know people that think it's a, a liberal conspiracy and that nothing is being recycled. So, Well, actually, there's, a, there's an economist. I can't remember his name. But he went to the trouble of proving that recycling is actually more harmful than good. Really? Yeah. Um, it, it, as far as like an environmental cost benefit, it's uh-huh. actually more harmful because I think he took into account like the, all the gas that the trucks burn sure. and that kind of thing uh, and, and the electricity used in the recycling plants. And he came to the conclusion that it's actually more harmful than good. I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. Right. It was, I'm sure he was contradicted by more than one person. Yeah, but he was a respected economist. Uh, he wasn't just, you know, some crackpot or Joe Schmo. Right. No fly-by-night economist. No. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but he, he may have very well been a conservative economist because, as you said, recycling is a big liberal conspiracy. Right. In okay. some people's eyes. Exactly. Few, I would say. Probably. A lot of people are on board now in the in the 2000s. Exactly, but I was having a conversation with my father the other day, and he is the herbal Elvis. Exactly, <laughs> uh, he was uh, down. Actually, he was he was kind of you know at at the, at the equilibrium point, which <laughs> right. is good. So he's very lucid. Um, and he uh, he and I were talking. He said that the the people at his recycling center uh, they don't have curbside pickup where he lives out in the sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, they they take their their stuff to the center and they. They were told by one of the employees that works there 
um, that they're, they don't recycle anymore. They just take all the stuff to the dump. Really? Yes. And I told him that the man at the recycling center was a total idiot. Right. And um, basically, Dad wanted to know why, as is his want. Um, and I told him that that's just an awful business model. Right. So think about this. There's this thing called a tipping fee, Chuck. Uh-huh. And in 2008, the a tipping fee is what you pay to dump your stuff at a landfill. Right. And it's usually per ton. In the U.S. in 2008, it was about 42 bucks on average. For how? Per how ton. Many, oh, per ton. Of everything. Anything yeah. you wanted to come dump, they, they weigh it by ton, and then you pay 42 bucks right. a ton on average. Th- have you ever been to a landfill? <clears throat> yeah. Ugh. I know. They're, they're not- Actually, I've been to some that are kind of tranquil. They're quite nice. Yeah, they have like <laughs> ponds and stuff. So you would never, ever want to swim in. But yeah. th- there's like rolling hills filled with garbage, yeah. but it's grass over it. The smell, I've, I've been to some where they're actually going to the effort to make it look decent but yeah right and then you turn around there's like some rusty refrigerator with like a corpse in it or something you know yeah so they can be depressing places yeah they stink okay but there's there's that tipping fee right sure so you drive up and there's a scale that's embedded into the ground Uh it weighs you and you pay appropriately some states are are more than others i think vermont's tipping fee the average tipping fee in the state's 96 bucks a ton wow and i think oklahoma's on the low end it's like 14 or 17 bucks a ton right so clearly, the more you charge in tipping fees, the more people are going to recycle. Exactly. Right? But the point is, is that there, because you have to pay to dump this stuff. Sure. And you're not charging anybody money to come drop off their recyclables. Right. All you're doing is throwing your money out the window. Yeah, that you might as well empty out your bank account into a dump truck and back it into a landfill. Right. Did it's you explain just, this to your father? I did. Okay, yes. Good. This is actually, you don't know this, but you are trapped right in the middle of a recreation of this conversation right. we had. Yeah. Um, so th- that's number one. The other thing is that you, you can actually get money from recyclables. They're a commodity. Right. Yeah. So what I mean, what happens when you take your recyclables to uh, to a recycling center and they're they're diverted from the dump, thank God, to you know a a recycling plant? What happens? I mean, what do they get turned into? Well, they get turned eventually back into the original raw material, mm-hmm. which is a commodity. It's worth money, like you said. So they have every incentive to recycle. So like that mixed office paper is being turned into um, cardboard, maybe or. Old newspapers actually are really uh, very commonly used for cardboard stuff right. like that, um, or you know, plastic bottles are being turned into um, like a fleece jacket. Did uh-huh. you know that? Yeah. And actually, there's a plastic bottle you want to avoid. If you ever tip it upside down and you look, that's where you're going to find your recycling symbol. Right, and the number correct. Yes. So if you see a triangular recycling symbol uh, with a three inside. Right. You should actually do this while you're at the store. Look at the bottle, uh-huh. and if you see a three, put it back. Right. Keep looking until you find, you know, the laundry detergent or whatever you're you're looking for that doesn't have a three and it has a one or a two or something like that. Um, and then all of a sudden, that one with the three will go away eventually. Right. Like PVC. It's I know. PVC. Is, that's one of the big evils because it's. Is it impossible to recycle, or it's just not really hard? To it's do? very, very the the um, ways you can recycle or the things you can recycle into are very, very limited. Right, like maybe a plastic park bench or something like that. Right, because but all the additives. There's right. so many additives, and plus it, it's actually um, there's there's whole websites and organizations dedicated to getting rid of PVC. Interesting. Number one, it's it's impossible to recycle, so just, that does generally end up in the dump mm-hmm. unless you take it to a specialty recycling plant. 
Um, and number two, it contains thalamites. And thalamites are, um, it depends on the plastic. Thalamites are like a softener. Right. The, to, to soften plastic. So like your vinyl shower curtain, that has thalamites in it. When you put it in and it starts smelling weird, that's the thalamites. And they're actually really harmful. Carcinogens. Yes. Yeah. Children's toys, like the kind of malleable ones that they chew on. Yeah. Bad news. Right. PVC, thalamites, mm-hmm. not good stuff. So if you start doing this at the store, if you start, if you stop buying things that are made in or delivered in PVC containers, right. PVC is going to go the way of the dinosaur pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but okay, so you want to look, you want to look out for PVC, right? Right. Well, oh, I know what we we're talking about, raw materials. Back to raw materials. Back to raw materials. So recyclables are a commodity because they're broken back down into their Original composition, basically, right? Exactly. Okay, and then they're sold for for big dough. It can be big dough. Actually, I was reading an NPR article, and um, the price per ton that uh, wholesale purchasers of of uh, recycled mixed office paper were paying uh-huh. in this this past summer, it was like ninety bucks a ton. Really big money. And these are these are companies that are buying hundreds of thousands of tons a month. Right. Um, so it was big business to recycle. And by the fall, it had dropped to nothing because even, you know, recycling is subject to um, inflation and gas fuel prices. Well, not just that, but the economy. People stopped buying goods. True. So less goods were manufactured. Um, but it's also because it's, it's, it's subject to economic whims. It's also subject to consumers, right? Right. So, like, if you if you only buy um, uh, products that are sold in recyclable or recycled materials that are made from recycled materials, exactly. Correct. Um, you, the people who make these things, are going to start buying more and more recycled stuff. Sure. Okay. Because that's what the consumers want. And if you stop buying stuff that's made with you know virgin raw materials. All of a sudden, these trees are being saved, or more plastic isn't being made. Right, and it's so it's kind of cool to know that you can have this. Yeah, effect. each person can have an effect. Yeah, you can also have an effect by uh, making sure, or doing your best to make sure that everything that you uh, put in your recycling bin gets recycled. And one of the ways you can do that is by cleaning uh, the stuff. I know yep. that I know you referenced uh, Minnesota in uh, the article, and I, I believe it's the same here in Georgia about pizza boxes. I've heard that. Pizza boxes they won't recycle because they have you know cheese and yeah. grease and stuff on them. I actually just throw mine away now. Do you? Yeah, yeah. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. And um, I, I I do a real good job about cleaning out all my glass uh, products just because it stinks. Yeah. And you don't want you know the barbecue sauce smelling after a few days. So that's the reason I do it. But it turns out it has a better chance of getting recycled. It does. And and if you kind of look at it like your your bottle of barbecue sauce. Right. If you look at it, you'll see that it's not just a bottle of barbecue sauce. There's several components to it. The lid. The, the lid. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that little ring that held the lid in place. Right. The, the safety seal. Right. Um, that's now just kind of dangling around the neck of the bottle. Yeah. The label. Right. Paper if label. You, if you break this thing down into its parts, you're increasing its chances of being recyclable really? as well. Sure. Did not know that. Just yeah, because if you think about it, the label's paper, but right. the bottle's glass and the cap is plastic. True. So you separate it, you're making it easier for the people at the recycling plant, or I should say the magnets and lasers at the recycling plant. Right. And it's it's going to be 
likelier to be recycled. Right. It won't become a residual, which I believe this what the refuse is called that they cannot recycle, correct? Right, right. And they want to, any, any recycling company would want to cut down on residual, right? Yeah. Because that's just lost money. So they're going to do a lot to kind of make it, um, make, get as much money as possible by recycling as much stuff as possible, but you can definitely help. Right. Yeah. That's great. I agree. So does that take us to plastic and where that might end up? Yeah. You know, Plastic is kind of a big problem, right? Yeah. And not just PVC, but, you know, there's some plastic that's a lot easier to recycle than others. Um, but it doesn't always get recycled. And when it doesn't get recycled, it can end up in some really screwed up places. Right. Most specifically, the ocean. Yes. A lot, a lot of this stuff ends up in the ocean. Yes, it does. And I have a stat for you, if, you, <laughs> if you're into that. You know I'm into your stats, Chuck. Uh, the, the UN did a little study, their environmental program, and they said in 2006, every square mile of the ocean has 46,000 pieces of floating plastic in it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that awful? 46,000 pieces. It is. Per square mile. Yeah. And uh, of the more than 200 billion pounds of plastic that we produce each year all over the world, this is not the United States, about 10% of that ends up in the ocean and... A lot of that ends up on the floor of the ocean. Well, not just a lot of it. 70% of it ends up on the floor of the ocean. Yeah. So if every square mile has 46,000 pieces floating, sure, that's 30% of what's actually in the ocean. Right. The rest is on the ocean floor. Right. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Yes. When those legends get here, let me know. <laughs> you're here. You're here already. No. Uh, we didn't either when we were watching yeah, this. That's, that's, that's we the didn't problem. realize it until we uh, started getting into seasons three and four, and now we're like, oh, my God. We were both so good on the show, and we missed it because we were we young. We were kids and, and so self-involved. Egomaniacs. Yeah. And <laughs> didn't realize well, no, how great you were. We've talked about it. I think you just assumed everybody was as good as them. And, right. and then right. you get into right. as you grow up and you work with other actors, you realize how oh. lucky we were yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, so plastic is is well, it's plastic, right? It's this down. super wonderful material. It's so useful, mm-hmm. but yes, it doesn't biodegrade. Right, it does break down. It photodegrades, but right. it doesn't break down molecularly just, into simpler compounds right. that can be absorbed by nature. It just breaks down into smaller and smaller right. pieces of the same thing. Conveniently, bite-sized pieces, which is one of the big problems. Yeah, what are they, they're called? Uh, mermaids' tears or nurdles? Yeah, Who mermaids' came up tears. With one of That's the, probably the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. It actually. is. It is. It's almost as bad as the American Indian crying yeah yeah it's a mermaid tear yeah uh so yeah what happens is this stuff ends up in the ocean and filter feeders like our friend the whale shark mm-hmm. and or, smaller or catfish. ones catfish they take this stuff in because they think it's food uh seagulls albatross they eat this stuff and uh it ends up you know killing a large share yeah yeah but wait there's more aside from the <laughs> choking hazard uh-huh. or you know any uh problems digestive problems that can occur um these little mermaids' tears actually have this added property of attracting toxins, like yeah. a sponge. This one freaked me out. So, like the, anything, any toxin it comes in contact with in the ocean, it can actually draw stuff to it. It soaks it up, absorbs it, hangs on to it, and then when it's eaten, right, little poison pills, basically, pretty much floating yeah. and sinking in the ocean. And this is all over the place, but there's actually. There's this. There's a place in the Pacific Ocean. Uh-huh. This is startling to me. It is. There's a place in the Pacific in between uh, Japan and California, right? Right. And it is called the uh, North Pacific Subtropic Gyre. Right. Okay. Um, and basically, a gyre is just it's a circulating yeah, it's like a vortex. area of water. Uh-huh. Yeah. But this is this isn't like a, a funnel. It's it's much more wide than that. Actually, uh, one of these gyres is twice the size of Texas. I know. This this subtropic uh, gyre, the one in the uh, North Pacific, is actually, there's two, and they're connected by a 6,000-long uh, subtropical convergence zone. Right, 6,000 miles of uh, basically trash and other things just kind yeah. of making its way from one to the other. This is where the garbage goes. Uh-huh. This, the, the garbage that, if you have a cigarette lighter and it goes out or it comes out of your pocket because you had it in your bathing suit when you jumped in. Right. It, it it will likely end up in this huge garbage patch. There is a garbage patch in the Pacific Ocean that's twice the size of Texas. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of slowly sitting there turning. That's well, amazing. there's two, actually. There's there's two versions. There's the western and the eastern. Right, and just one of them is twice the size exactly. of Texas. Exactly, and that's they're connected by the little uh, trash trail, mm-hmm. uh, on the 6,000-mile trash trail. And this is having, you could say, something of an, an impact on... Some of the island, the island chains in the area, right? Hawaiian Islands. Some of the Hawaiian Islands. Some of them are. Some of them have beaches that feature um, five to ten feet of trash. I know. Five to ten feet deep. And the plastic sand is what they call it. Yeah, the, the little, little tiny bits. Tears. I know. Uh, that that turn into these really tiny, tiny bits that that you just can't do anything about. Yeah, when you it can't becomes clean it up. mixed in with the beach. I know. It's so sad. It's bad news. The the. There is one heartening thing to all this, to, to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Yeah, let's hear it, the it can silver be, lining. It can be reduced, and the reason it can be reduced is because I think 80% of the trash in the ocean it starts on land. Right. This isn't like ocean-going vessels going out and dumping right. you know, in this gyre or anything. Like it's, it's pulled there, and it's usually from land. That was good to hear. I mean, it's sad in a way. Because it's coming from us, but uh, it is good to know that you know something can change about that. Right, because it's everyday people who are doing this. It's yep. not you know some faceless corporation. It's not the people who are duping us into thinking that we're 
our stuff is being recycled and they're actually taking it and dumping it in the Pacific. Right. There's something you can do. Like you can not um, use plastic grocery bags anymore. Sure. It's a great it's idea. It's very popular nowadays. Um, you can recycle absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you can, if you have eco anxiety, which we've talked about, you can follow. Uh, you can walk up and down the street and pull the Aquafina water bottles out of the trash and you recycle could do that, yourself. Sure, or you could charter a helicopter and have them fly you out to the gyre and get to work. Yeah, that's true. So that's uh, just the tip of the iceberg, right? On the on the on you know recycling and and the world's biggest landfill, which is the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Sad. It is. Um, and we've got a couple of articles on them, coincidentally. Right. This was a dual podcast. This is a bonus treat. It was, yeah. yeah. It's our first time ever. We hope you liked it. Um, you can read both of these articles by going to our handy search bar and typing in world's biggest landfill or recycling reality. And you can do that at HowStuffWorks.com. And Chuck... We have a little listener mail. We do. My favorite part of the show. Listener mail time. So uh, today, Josh, we have. Uh, I'm going to start off with some corrections. Actually, I'm going to start off and end with corrections. Great. I have a few. Uh, we had a recent podcast on body armor, which was a special request mm-hmm. from uh, soldier uh, Donald Anderson in Iraq, and. Um, First correction is uh, Donald actually wrote us back because we didn't have his. We rank. found out his rank. Yeah, yeah he's a he's, sergeant. Right? Yeah, he's a sergeant, uh, part of the Fourth Squadron, Third Armored Cavalry Regiment, and he works on the AH-64D turbine engine, which I did a little googling, and that's in the Apache helicopter. Sweet. So he's got a very cool job. Yeah. And uh, he thanked us for the uh, for the podcast, and um, some people wrote in because we were talking about the uh, spider silk being made from a goat. And, uh, we couldn't you, conceive of how that would happen. Exactly. We thought of it coming out of its derriere. Or, uh, wait, wait. What was it we said? Let's listen. Yeah, let's listen. Yeah, they've actually genetically engineered goats to produce yeah. spider silk. That is... And I, I, no I take it maybe their hair grows like that? I have no idea. Because I don't know where the silk would come out of the poor goat. So uh, we did not know. We put the call out to our, our listeners, and because they're really smart and awesome... We had a bunch of people write in, and it turns out that uh, the spider silk is actually created in their milk. Wow. In the goat's milk. That is so weird. And uh, it's very strong, and apparently it's compatible with the human body, so it can also be used for artificial limbs and stuff like that. Sweet. So I just have a few names just to give people their due. Uh, Nick McCracken of Waynesville, North Carolina. Nice. Kimberly Fletcher of Campbell, California. Jeff Buell of The Earth. Did wow. Not say where he was from. Uh, Eileen Ford Holstedge from California, Michael Barisich, uh, Matt Jensen of New York, Sean Cashin, who just wrote in like literally 10 minutes before we went on the air. Yeah. And one final person was unnamed, and he's my favorite because, or she, because the email simply said the one. <laughs> so it may have been from uh, God himself. I don't wow. Know. Well, thank you, God, and all the rest of you for that, uh-huh. that correction. You got some more? Well, just one more small, quick correction. Uh, we did have a viewer, or, I'm sorry, listener mail um, on a recent podcast, and we butchered the name and gender of this person. Koss? Koss uh, said something like Beichtal of Wisconsin, and it's actually a female. I think we said Koss. Yeah, we're man. really sorry about that, Koss. I don't know why we just automatically assumed you were a male. Right, and so it's actually uh, Koss Beichtal, and she's, she's a, a woman. A girl. 
we're very happy for. Okay. And well, we're, we apologize. For, yeah, thanks for letting us know, Pop. And uh, if you want to let us know how to pronounce your name and tell us your gender or talk about um, goat's milk, whatever, you can send us an email at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Childproofing people's homes is hard, but Duracell is making it just a bit simpler. Not only are they committed to educating parents, caregivers, and medical professionals about the importance of battery safety, they make the only lithium coin batteries with a non-toxic bitter coating to help discourage children from swallowing them. Duracell even features child secure packaging designed to avoid accidental opening. Learn more at Duracell.com slash power safely. Available on 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.